0: Hey, it's Accidental Magic time, and we are the podcast for those of us who have ADHD, just like me, your host. I am Jim Peters. We're going to try to keep this short and sweet. We're going to give you a bumper sticker and a snicker. But if you've been trying to rediscover your amazing passion and you've got ADHD, <laughs> welcome home. We're your people. Enjoy the podcast. Hey, everybody, it's Jim Peters. I think you recognize the voice and you clicked on it, so you know it's me. But we have got some cool stuff in the studio today. I actually use the word studio. Usually the studio is my car. To be honest, I got to tell you, yeah, I'm usually recording when my wife is going someplace and she has to go in and pick something up, and then I just pretty much sit out in the parking lot and crank it out. So, but now we got like a real studio. Oh, and we got video. Hey, 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 how's that working for you? So it's Jim Peters, it's Accidental Magic, and we are live and in color today. So I have a very special guest with me today. We have to say guest, but he's actually he's not really a guest. He called me special. He's special. He's definitely special. So this is Tim Weisen. Hey, everybody. Okay, Tim lives in Orlando, Florida, and he's part of the reason that I now live in Orlando, Florida. So the statute of invitations finally expired, and now Tim and I can hang out legally together now that he's an adult. So Tim has two children, which he has given me permission to corrupt. So I have been the weird uncle. And um, so names are important, and I was thinking about this as I was getting ready this morning, and I thought, you know, Tim's last name is Wizenin, so if you want to look him up, you can try to spell that and have fun with that. But his name means... It's wise, so you think it must have something to do with wise, but if you actually unpack it, the NN means he is not wise. So it's German, because you got the German stuff on the back, and you put it back up in the front, and it's like, he is not wise. Well, my name's Peters, which in, it's a German name as well, but the name Peters in Minnesota is the name of a hot dog company, so it's a wiener, all right? So that's... This is very true. It's very true, and you can Google that if you want, and that was my father's favorite hot dog, and our family's favorite hot dog, and Minnesota's favorite hot dog. so yeah, it's a wiener. So I'd rather be an unwise man than a wiener. So there you go. But welcome to uh, Accidental Magic. We're going we're to gonna kind of ra- just run with some stuff that we've had some thoughts. And uh, Tim also has ADD. His is better treated than mine. He has a very smart wife that slaps it out of him on occasion. Carla's amazing. So um, we're going to talk about the difference between real and ideal and how both of us have that duality. And I know, Tim, you were starting to share some thoughts on it. So tell me what your thoughts were real and ideal.
1: Well, I think that a lot of us just try to, in this culture, especially nowadays, that people try to project an ideal self of what they want everybody yeah. else to see. It's the know? selfie. And the, yep. Yeah, it's the selfie generation, yeah. but it's also that it's not always very accurate. Everybody on social media wants to project their their most, yeah. their most best picture, yeah. their, their most fun they're having. It's just ideal them to let everybody think that they have the best life, but... Then there's a a real self behind that that no one really sees. Yeah, and I think
0: that's that's a big part of how this is. It's making this gap get wider and wider. In our generation, you used to be able to say everybody looks bad in a snapshot because until the Polaroid came out, you didn't know what that picture looked like for about ten days, and you realize, oh shoot, my dad's got his eyes open, my nephew's got his finger up his nose. You know, I mean, everybody looks bad in a snapshot, but not anymore. You got filters, you got all this stuff. So here's the way I've been unpacking it. And um, we call it Mind the Gap. And so if I had a title for this today, I'd probably put it under Mind the Gap. Because when you travel to London, when you're traveling through the tubes and the subways, um, they have a sign up right there that says Mind the Gap. And then right before the train comes into the station, as it comes into the station, there's a recording that comes on and it just goes Mind the Gap, Mind the Gap, which is the gap between the train and the station. Because oftentimes the train is turning a corner and this, the cement is rounded so the train is, there's a gap, it can be up to about a foot. And people can drop into that with their leg and break it and blah, blah, blah. So mind the gap, but one day I was there and the light bulb went off in my head and I went and scratched out a note real quick and realized that's our life. All of us has a, have a real and an ideal person. We have that duality in us. And like you said, exactly. it's the selfie. I mean. Um, I've been around kids who can, having the worst day ever, arguing with their dad on the phone, and they'll look down at their phone and they snap a selfie and they got this amazing smile. I think that's why depression is so severe in kids because a millennial, I saw this on a show and wrote it down, a millennial thinks the selfie is the person. And that's not true. I mean, they're all, like I always say, they're all the photos that are taken at Walmart of that classic family picture. But if you don't mind the gap... It's the guy in the circus, Tim, who's spinning the right. plates. And you and I have talked about this a lot. When he's got the plates really close together and there's only two or three, but as he gets the plates farther apart, it's the end ones that give him the most trouble because it's distance. So again, it's mind the gap. Eventually one plate falls off, he grabs all the rest of his plates, he bows to the audience, yeah. and he exits stage left. That's mind the gap. That's the real and the ideal you. They are both that duality that's in our life. and We have to learn how to figure those things out and get those closer together.
1: Yeah, I think a big reason why that's happening nowadays with everybody is just because everybody wants to portray this ideal self and yeah. want people to like them. And they're afraid that if they show who they really are, that people aren't going to like them yeah. or want to be around them. And the truth is, everyone's got issues in their life behind the closed doors that no one's talking about. Yeah. And I think unless we can start to be real, then we can't really navigate this this mind the gap issue. You know, And I look at it like... Kind of like even the in the Christian world, you got these people doing a spiritual split. They got one yeah. foot, they're trying to be in the church and trying to do everything right, trying to perform. The other foot is what's you know what, how they really feel, and they're just trying to do this split, and it gets wider and wider, and eventually you're going to
0: tear something. It <laughs> so, <laughs> so, go, ain't going to be <laughs> going to be comfortable. It's are going to pull a groin. That's right. Or tear a hammy, <laughs> something like that. But you know, um, another concept of this that I have thought about is. Because I work with combat injured troops. For those of you who don't know Tim, you should Google him, and then he is POP. is the name of his ministry, People of Purpose.
1: Yeah, peopleofpurpose.net.
0: There you go, .net. So take a look at him. Tim was semi-pro athlete, soccer, and um, works with those with kids, uh, high school and college-age kids, and helps mentor them through the concepts of, of sport, which is phenomenal. So Tim and I have traveled around the world together and done a lot of stuff in the U.S. as well. But I work with combat injured troops, as you know. One of the things we have found that has, that they have in common with civilians is all of them, especially the military, have had some form of moral failure. Now, we always interpreted moral failure, you just cheated on your spouse or you cheated on your partner. That was, But the moral failure is the violation of your basic codes. Now, if you don't believe in the 10 commandments, that's fine. Whatever your system of government is for your life, what you believe in, like maybe you believe in the strength of friendship or whatever. But There comes points in our lives when we violate our moral codes, and that is a moral failure. For example, for a military guy, it's easy to point it out because he's literally had to kill people. Talk about violating your morals and your ethics. He's had to go in there and be deceitful and go under cover of darkness and do all these things. You have to do it for a greater good. So I'm not against that. I'm not saying that, but I'm telling them, so then these guys come back to the United States, and most churches preach this emasculated Jesus, and they're like, how do I identify with this? I've looked through the scope and killed guys. Right. You know, so we realize they have had at different levels, but all of us have had that type of moral failure. For troops, it's killing; it's deception, for or some other form of trauma. But now you're sitting here listening to us, and you're wondering how to reconcile your real and ideal, because that's the guy who let's just throw some stuff out there. You've looked at porn. I mean, I just found the research now uh, uh, that one in five Google searches is about porn. One in five—that's amazing. My Google just went off because yeah. I said its name, so I hate that. But one in five uh, for you, maybe it's been—you've uh, been abused, or you've been uh, oppressed, or um, uh, you know, uh, some way like that. Maybe it's been an abortion, or a rape, or an assault, or violent violence, something like that. But it could be something very small where your that real thing is in you now, and you're yeah. trying to just be this ideal person, and you sit. All nice and perky at work but you're barely holding it together we're here today to talk about you know what we got to embrace that real thing and we got to figure out how to fix that real thing but the first of all is just recognizing you know that's a real thing and I'm gonna fix that
1: yeah and I think that that's a big part of uh, what I call self-awareness there you go so many people you know you ever you ever around people that are just oblivious they don't really
0: they have no social awareness sometimes that's Jim Peter absolutely that's right (laughs) yes and uh my obliviousness has been positive and it's been really negative it's it's benefited you many
1: times it's also gotten you a lot of trouble absolutely but you know being self-aware and you think about it you know until we are self-aware and we realize the issues and we can actually validate okay this is why i feel the way i feel i'm actually able to face this i'm willing to face it and acknowledge i have this issue until we get to that point we can't start the process of change so i look at the very first sign of that was Adam and Eve in the garden, right? Oh, they became yeah. self-aware
0: yep. that they were naked They're because they—they are <laughs> they naked. Nakedness.
1: They There's a
0: difference between naked and naked, Tim. That is true. That's for another podcast. We yes. can do a
1: podcast just on being
0: naked or naked. Naked is what you are with your doctor. Naked is when you're up to something. That's so, they,
1: so basically, you know, the first sign of sin is they went and hid. Yeah. Right, and then but they had to become self-aware and realize, oh, I have sin and I'm naked, yeah. and now I'm coming before god and i'm and i'm asking for help and i want to reconnect so i think the first part of actually changing to narrow that gap is becoming self-aware and so many people are just not self-aware they're not willing to face the areas and and they're not willing to feel what they felt because it's too painful yeah and i think until they are
0: willing to feel it there's a saying i like to say is that in order to heal you have to feel oh nice you know just pause on that in order to heal you have to feel yeah, no, that might be your bumper sticker. So get your dry marker out and put that on the windshield of your car as you're listening. So yeah, in order to heal, you got to feel. Yeah, you, you got well to
1: feel that. I'm not saying you got to go back into the depths of all the no, trauma and all the pain, but it's like you got to basically it's saying you got to feel what that really meant to you, what it did
0: to you, to acknowledge it, become self aware, so you can now now start to make a process of change. My thing is, I, I say, which just enhances it at this exact point, is you have to wear it. You gotta right. put it on and wear it. So, I mean, my wife's deaf, you gotta put it on and wear it. The right. sexual experiences I had as a young man, you gotta wear those things. You, you can't wear them all day, but you gotta wear those things, like you say, feel it so you can heal it. I love that statement, because the real always falls out of the closet. A real person ultimately yeah. comes out. It, it eventually is gonna come out,
1: right? Yeah. Whatever's on, look, eventually right. it's gonna come out when it's under pressure. Yeah. Whatever's under pressure, eventually is gonna show up. Yeah. So you put a, tooth, a tube of toothpaste under pressure, how do you know what's inside a tube of toothpaste? Yeah. you got to squeeze it. Yeah. When something squeezed, it's going to come out. And all yeah. those events you are going to get squeezed with life. And I think a biggest issue, Jim, that that I see with young people and young marriages and adults as, as well is that the real them eventually comes out when they're under pressure because they're trying to juggle so many things and spend so many plates, right. trying to portray this image that's not the real them, yeah. and they're not willing to be authentic. And yeah. to me, this all goes back to if you can just own your stuff and work through it, feel it, and, ask God for help and connect the dots yeah. and start to be authentic, you're going to help mind the gap. You're also going to help uh, circumvent a, a possible tragedy later in life. Yeah. you know, but, The
0: whole thing is about that gap. The closer you can keep the real and the ideal, because we are all going to struggle with that. But one of the simple things I think too, Tim, we can put out there is who tells you no. All of us need somebody in our life that tells us no. And when I have been around major figures that have had uh, some type of moral failure when I've and I've had some long-term relationships and I've seen them decay I, what I've noticed is yeah, yeah. they have this ability to they keep changing the people in their first and second circle because the people who meet you when you're decaying they think this is your normal right and so then those are the people who go when they see you decay more they see your real the plates get farther apart they say something well then those people tend to get that guy out of my life. Find a new person who knows my new level of decay and he thinks that you're normal. So the first thing I'd say to them is, then it's not necessarily the most priority, it's just a good point. Who tells you no? Who in the world tells you no that you listen to? Sometimes it has to be a historic thing. Most guys have told you and me, it's my wife. I don't know that that really works. It does it right now in my marriage because I'm only in a young marriage. I'm in a new marriage. But in it works free- in my marriage. <laughs> yeah. I'm married to a Latin yeah. woman and for yeah. 15 years. I'm telling you right there, baby. So you got to have somebody that tells you no. So who is that? You can't keep changing that circle of the people that are around you. The second thing I think is, we, especially men, and I've noticed the older I get, the harder it is to associate with my own age group because now that I've hit this well into the second half of life, we don't do a lot of things together. I, and I don't have a lot of those. What hobbies do you go to for senior citizens? Those are at nursing homes. Shop Who the heck wants? Yeah, there you go. Who wants to do that? So, but my point is, who's your vault? I think that's another good one. Talk about that, Tim. We've talked about that. Yeah, I uh,
1: I think that's really good. I think I Tim think has a I,
0: degree in counseling, yeah, by the way. So yeah. if anything is powerful that we say today, it's probably coming out of Tim because yeah. he's got the paperwork.
1: Yeah, technically, the yeah. master's in pastoral counseling. Master's in pastors. <laughs> master's in pastors. Um I actually call that the vault. I have oh, a nice. lot of people, whether it's pastors, friends, you know, business leaders come to me and say, hey, I need to share some stuff with you but I, I need to make sure it's going to keep quiet. I said, look, I go, it goes to the vault and when I say it goes to the vault, it goes to the vault. No one hears about it. There are things that people tell me that my own wife doesn't know for her own protection but also for people's protection. I think we all have to have a vault and that Absolutely. is where we're talking about being able to be the real you, the authentic you. Yeah. And if you can't Go to somebody who you can trust that can become your vault. You need to find someone that can. And because I think having a vault is a start of not only being self-aware, but also then being more authentic to be the real you and say, look, here's what I'm going through. Here's what I'm feeling. So you can heal, right? The feel of the heal. Mm -hmm. You know, here's what I'm feeling. Here's what I'm going through. And this is the real me. Here's the authentic me. And then until we can be authentic and tell what we're really going through, then we're not going to be able to start the process of change. Well said. And the other part of that, I think, is that you look at a lot of people that go through midlife crisis, right? So now here it is. I'm in my mid-40s, and I look around, and you see, why. I always wonder, why do guys go through a midlife crisis? Yeah. Well, you look at it, and you go, I believe it's because a lot of them haven't really been the authentic them.
0: Oh, yeah. And so we
1: go through this life of comparison games. The ideal. Right? The The, the real
0: them or the ideal? The ideal them.
1: Yeah. Yeah. They've lived this life of being the ideal them, not the real them. Right. They haven't been authentic. Right. There you go. And so they go and compare themselves. We all do. Young kids I watch on social media compare themselves and their lives to other people. And they play this game. Their life is trying to be a repost or a retweet retweet of somebody else. Yeah, there you go. And that's not what God calls us to do. He wants us to be the original us, the authentic us. The broken us. The broken us and allowing him to fix us, to bring healing, but be authentic. Because you can't heal unless you're authentic. And so what happens is that they go and they, I think that as life goes on and whether they make money or don't, you get to a point in life where you realize, you know what? I don't really like who I'm becoming. I'm living in an inauthentic life. And then they start to be driven by the things of the flesh, the the cravings of this world, and it can destroy them. Whether it's a younger wife or a fast yeah. car. And they start, I think, living an inauthentic life is a life without purpose.
0: Yeah. I, 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 I believe it,
1: in a uh, inauthentic life is a life without purpose you start to say life really has no meaning because you're never stepping into who you're created to be right as an authentic human I, being with your passions in your desires with your flaws yeah so you can as you said before you know when you're broken that's a part of your story, yeah. but it doesn't have to keep you back from being no. who you're really called The to best be.
0: people are broken. And one thing I learned from my father, who was a hands-on guy and an HVAC guy, but when metal would break and you welded it together, so it's broken, and I would think, this is worthless. My dad goes, no, we're going to weld that. The weld is stronger than the original, yeah. and I think there's a life lesson in there for us about brokenness. Let's talk about our phones. We all have phones. We use them like crazy. Um, And we've been doing some research on it. And so I want to give you some stats on stuff. And then, Tim, you comment on them. But especially talking about young people using phones. And here's a stat I got. Um, 51% of teens have reduced sleep because of their social media anxiety. Teens that spend five hours a day on electronic devices are 51% more likely to get less hours of sleep when compared to a one-hour user. I don't think it's because they're on their phone, but it's that social pressure. It's amazing. Eighth graders who are heavily, heavily users of social media have a thirty-seven percent higher risk of depression. I think because everybody is using filters, everybody is on it all the time. You think it's FOMO, fear of missing out. Everybody has a greater life than you. Comment. It's all about. It goes back to comparison games. I think there's a pressure that your
1: life is supposed to look a certain way, and instead of looking at who you were created to be, you want to look like or be like somebody else, and that's being inauthentic. And that's where the gap starts to become of, well, I I want my identity to be based upon what other people think about me versus who God created them to be. And I know that's yeah. maybe getting spiritual for some no. people, but whatever your people's yeah. moral compass is, right. they decide what truth is. But from the from this perspective, as a, as a pastoral counselor, I look at kids and I say, look, you're trying to be like everybody else. You're not being able to express who you really are. And you're going to carry pressure and stress because of it. And I think the phones is a big deal. In fact... People go, and research says that getting a like, and people go look at their phones, right? Kids, let's face it, some kids are addicted yeah. to their phones. And to to get a like on a post creates the same dopamine drip and same rush yeah. in your brain as when you go and you see a loved one
0: yeah. and you hug them. Well, you can, you can Google this, Tim. We know this to be true. You and I have seen it, and we watched the documentary together on it on social media that... I think it's Instagram, so don't quote me on this, but it's either Instagram or one of the major social media things doesn't give you your likes as they come in. They hold them back. And they realize if you can look at that number and watch that number escalate over a significant, you know, watch it go from five to 22 or whatever the number is, they get a greater trigger. And now they've created those things where you have to go on Instagram every day. You got to get your, what is it called? It's not your record, it's your, your, st- your, story. Your, your, yeah, no, it's, you got to get, uh, if you miss a day, you lose your, um, you, oh, know, you streak, you, you streak. Thank yeah. you. That's the word I was looking for. Streakers <laughs> were different when I was kids. <laughs> I've, <laughs> I've seen you streaking. <laughs> yeah, that's it. So, but I've got the some, back of the RV. <laughs> that's it. I, one of the stats we found here, and this is from covenant eyes, these stats I'm going to share now so you can Google it. But one in five searches right now uh, is uh, uh, on our phones, on our mobile devices is for porn. It's amazing. And some of the stats, they said 68% of divorce cases involve one party meeting a new lover over the internet. 56% involved one party having an obsession, obsessive interest in pornographic websites. And 70% of wives of sex addicts could be diagnosed with PTSD. Those are amazing stats about the power of this phone. And I've talked in other podcasts, so Tim, I'd like you to comment. This is the most powerful thing I think that's ever been created. I think it's greater than my laptop. I hardly do anything on my laptop anymore. I do major correspondence and write my books on laptop, but everything else, I'm using my phone. It's such a powerful tool. We never put it down. I'm checking it all the time, which is ridiculous. I've been trying to fast my phone, Tim, is what I've been doing, so Sonny and I are putting it down at specific points of the day going, okay, that's it. Unless our daughter calls and is out of control, we're not looking at our phones.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, they are very addictive, and I think that and it's for a whole other maybe another podcast on pornography but 66% of high school boys look at porn about one at least once a week it's amazing and it's all on their phone all the all the kids yeah. that I mentor people that I know their biggest battle is the phone my and wife that's, and that's a whole other topic oh yeah but I think the point is is the phone you know we get we're viewing the whole world through the lens of our phone now right and that's where these comparison games and that's where this whole thing of of trying to portray a ideal self versus a real self yeah is, is coming into play. And the more we live through the lens of the internet and through media of any kind versus real authentic relationship, having conversations face-to-face, until we can get back to that, life change doesn't happen by, I, by
0: a post. No, it's going to happen by yeah. relationship one-on-one. We keep thinking this is real life, and it's not real life. This is real life, and this is difficult to do. I even find myself at times struggling with this because I'm so... Um, My line that I've been using is, how do we know so much about so many people and we're invested in none? That's really true. I mean, around the the dinner table. I mean, my brother started this when uh, his kid was in high school and all his guys would come over and hang out with him. Um, My brother would take them all out to dinner. He'd say, everybody puts their phone in the center of the table. First guy to pick up their phone has to pay the bill. So it kept all the kids off the phone. And I thought that whatever we got to do to try to get some more family time. But we want to just, we'll kind of, let's kind of wrap this up. Yeah. And so we really think it's important uh, for us to recognize you have a real and ideal. You got to mind the gap. And the closer you keep your gap, um, the better it is. In other words, and we gave you some tips. You got to find out someone who is, um, who tells you no. Uh, who's your vault? Somebody to have your vault. And then you had a point. What's yours? Well, it, was a, it was about being self-aware. Yeah, you know, rec- recognizing right. yep. where your
1: areas of change need to take place in and that where you're weak at and what you're struggling with and be able to become self-aware be, and then be able to feel that. And so, you, can, you know, you have to feel in order to heal. Right. But then the other part, I think, the, one of the biggest parts is learn to be authentic. Be you. Be the person that God created you to be. Be the person, whoever you feel your spiritual yeah. like, lenses, you know, viewed through. Yeah. I look at it through Jesus Christ, but right. it's like who God created you to be it's like, be that person and you can't find your identity outside yeah, of who you created to be. Don't try to be somebody else. Right. Be the best Jim Peters, yep. be the best Tim Weisman that he created to be and do the things you want you to do and be comfortable with who you are and not try to compare yourself to other people. Not try to bow to the pressure of what everybody else says you should look like and be like and act like.
0: Because right. yeah. I think those are contributing things. But I think those are the points that I would say about trying to mind the guy. I like it. And then we want to close with this. We want to tell you this. What's on your phone? That would be my challenge today. A friend of my wife's passed away terribly. He was walking on a street. He may have had liquor. We don't know. But he was hit by a car, and the guy fled the scene, and he died in the ditch. Horrible thing to happen to him. But his mother then posted a few days later, be careful what's on your phone. Someone someday has to go through your phone. That's all she said. I don't know if she found good stuff. I don't know if she found bad stuff, but when my wife passed away, I had to go through her phone. There was nothing on there but amazing stuff. And I mean, you can delete stuff, but there is always a footprint and the footprint is in your mind and the footprint shows up in your soul and it shows up in your friendship. So we would challenge you today, watch what's on your phone. Let's do our best to keep our phone scrubbed from in here, not from some software. And I get one piece of advice for me is that if you don't have kids, and you don't have kids, Jim right. Peters,
1: pretend you have a nine-year-old daughter, like I do, and she plays you through phone on a daily basis. Yeah, she goes through your pictures. Like last night, I'm laying in bed with her, yep. and I'm on the phone with my intern, talking for a few minutes, and then I'm laying with my daughter, and she's just looking through my yep. pictures. right? And I was thinking, is there anything on my phone? I'm yeah. like, no, I don't think so. Yeah. It's all pictures of families, ministry, surfing,
0: soccer. Picture water. me with no shirt on. That's violating enough to most people. Yeah, no, it's okay. I,
1: I put that on my archive. I took a picture of you in your tidy whitey underwear off my phone. That didn't and really into, happen. It was into, animated. <laughs> and into the archive. So little Debbie, uh, we don't no, want no, little, little Debbie
0: seeing no. that. No. And I, oh, Here's a cool stat for those of are...
1: But think about it, though. Yeah, if absolutely. You have it, if you think about it that way, say, if you have a little kid, it's going to pick up your phone and look yeah. at it.
0: What if, if, you're a, if you're a Christian, the way to say it is your son is saying or your daughter is saying to you, what is your sin going to cost me? Mm. Nobody thinks about that. So that's the way I would put it as well. But, and for those of you that don't know, Tim's daughter is named Debbie, and that is named after my late wife. And the cool part is he named her that before my late wife was late. So before she passed away. So it was very cool. He really felt God wanted him to do that, and he did it. And we all thought he was nuts, but it turned out to be a pretty cool decision. So you guys, I really appreciate you listening to Accidental Magic. Those of you that follow us, we'd really like your feedback, especially on this. So send us a note uh, if you want, and uh, put it on the back of a $20 bill, and uh, send it off to us, and that would help a lot. What else you got? That's it. Okay. Oh, thanks so thanks, me out.
1: thanks for having us. Uh, we'll soon.
0: probably do some more of these too, Tim. So I'm very, very grateful. So let's give him a hand. There you go. And remember, we always say at the closing of our podcast after you listen to Accidental Magic is Stay Vertical. All right. Wow, that was fun. I enjoyed it. Thanks for being a part of our collective journey to find our passion. I like saying it that way. Your input is really valuable to us, and you can send us a voice message right from this podcast if you'd like. Just remember, keep it short, because we got trouble. You can find us on Facebook and YouTube and all kinds of other places if you just Google us. It's jimpeters.org. That'll help you the best. And as always, never forget, best advice I ever got from my old man. Stay vertical.